Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, I loved being in Oxford. I loved England. I loved my time away, but uh, Dorothy was right, right? There's no place like home, so it's been good being home. I missed my bed. (laughs) I'll say that. And air conditioning, my gosh. Hey, England, there's this thing called air conditioning. You would love it. Okay. Friends, today we celebrate the feast day of Saints Joachim and Anne, Mary's parents, which means that they're Jesus' grandparents, which is kind of a fun thought, right? We tend to not think about grandparents. Hey, Jesus' grandparents, but he had grandparents. So for those of you who are grandparents, raise your hand if you're a grandparent, right? Okay, very good. Congratulations, grandparents. This is your feast day in some ways. These are your patrons, Anne and Joachim. They are your patrons. So here's the thing. If you walk into any Byzantine Catholic church, um, you're going to be bombarded by any, any Eastern Rite church, Byzantine, Ruthenian, Melkite, any of those. You're going to be bombarded by just so much beauty, um, icons, the glimmering sheen of beeswax candles and the glow of flame and fire as it illuminates these beautiful images of saints and Christ and the Theotokos, Mary, all of that, right? You're going to see all of these beautiful images and icons. One of the icons that you're likely going to see is a, an icon that depicts a, an elderly couple embracing face to face, real close, um, their lips pressed towards each other. And in the background behind them, you see a bed. And then behind that, even further in the distance, you see the temple in Jerusalem. It's a very famous icon that's in a lot of Byzantine churches. It's the icon that depicts the nuptial embrace of Anne and Joachim. It's how the Eastern Rite Church depicts what we call the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception. It depicts them, obviously beneath, you know, a veil of decorum. They're still very fully clothed, don't worry, right? It depicts them face to face in the embrace of their love. This moment that Mary came to be in Anne's womb, right? The Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception. We Latin, Western Catholics, we tend to focus on the Immaculate Conception. We tend to kind of zero in on the sort of mystical, theological points of it, defined by the dogma, right? That from the very first moment of her existence, from the moment of her conception, Mary was preserved by a prevenient grace from all stain and taint of original sin. All of that's true, right? We believe that as defined dogma. But before it was a dogma, before any of our dogmas were dogmas, before any of our doctrines were doctrines defined in any sort of scholastic theological way, before they were dogmas, before they were doctrines, they were experiences. Right? Before we defined the hypostatic union of Jesus, right, his divine and human nature is coming together in his one person, before we had a definition of that, you just had apostles, guys, disciples, who were trying to piece together this coming together of God, the authority of God, the power of God, but present in this man. It was their experience that came first, not the dogma. Right? What came first was the embrace of a husband and wife, Anne and Joachim. 
before the dogma of the Immaculate Conception was defined. And how holy this embrace must have been to have conceived the finest flower of our race, Mary the mystical rose. St. John Paul II, in his writings of the theology of the body, he holds up Saints Anne and Joachim. He holds them up as a sign for all married couples to, to emulate, to be inspired by, for their, the holiness of their love, the holiness of their nuptial bed, to be something that would confront and purify all marriages, all couples, that all couples would realize, as he says, that we would all realize in our bodies the plan of God for marriage from the beginning. You've heard me preach this a thousand times. I'll keep preaching it because it's just, it goes in one ear and out the other, I think. But the sexual intimacy of husband and wife is not dirty or tainted or evil or sinful. It's holy. It's, it's thrice holy. It's holy, holy, holy. If you want to look, if you want to see what's holiest in God's design, just look at what's most attacked or corrupted in culture. There's your answer. Because it is the holiest, it is the most corrupted. Because it is the most eloquent of God's signs that he's made, right? God communicates in sign language. Everything around us is part of how he's communicating. This is how Jesus could walk through the fields and read into the wheat, into the soil, into the pearls, into the sheep. He could read out of it a message about God that God wrote into creation, all of this messaging. And the most articulate of the signs that he created was the sign of masculinity and femininity, human love, the human embrace of love. That from all eternity, the Father pours himself out to the Son. The Son receives and returns that. And that gift of giving and receiving spirates the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Like that sign of life-giving love that's brought into creation through the visible, physical love of husband and wife. Like all of that comes to us in this Mass. Everything that I'm talking about, this whole idea of self-gift, self-offering, love, intimacy, all of that, that's what is happening in the liturgy. The liturgy is nuptial. It's an embrace of lovers. That's why it always used to be only for those who knew what was going on, for the initiated. Because the bridegroom comes to give himself to the bride his heart wrenched open to pour out love into the heart of the bride. And how does that happen? Abstractly, intellectually, spiritually. No, no. Concretely, you'll taste it and you'll see it. You'll touch it. It'll enter you. This is my body given for you. So on this feast day of St. Anne and Joachim, let's just turn our hearts towards them, towards the holiness of their love. Let's ask for their intercession, maybe upon our marriage, your marriage, upon all the marriages of this parish, that they would be chaste and holy, beautiful and fruitful, and be after the pattern of God's design for married love. Amen.